Hello and welcome to a long overdue episode of the Geek Roulette Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spriegel. And I'm the other host, John Lundquist. Been a while. It has. It's like there's stuff going on in the world. Well. Which you would think would like make us record more because you'd think we'd have nothing but free time on our hands. It doesn't quite work like that, though. I mean, when you're staying at home and doing things nonstop, like now that the kids have been home nonstop, too, it just creates all these extra things. Like, I don't know about you. I'm running like my dishwasher like almost three times a day because of how many dishes are being made by between all of us. Yeah, it hasn't even been as much that for us because like our lives haven't changed a whole lot. Like I think I mentioned before, like I'm still working like normal. My wife just started a new job, which... She's keeping busy with, uh, you know, kind of holed up in her bedroom as an office. Um, so she's been working. The kids have been doing their, you know, learning from home thing. But we've got the mother-in-law stays with us to kind of help with that. So it's just been, yeah, it's just been weird more than. Yeah, I, don't I, don't, I don't have a mother-in-law. That's the problem is I don't have somebody like can act as a deflection. Just have somebody stay in your house and they can watch your kids for you. It's a great concept in theory, but then there's somebody else staying in the house. It's tricky to work out, I'll give you. I mean, my mother-in-law is pretty amazing, but, you know, some people's aren't. I'm not saying yours isn't. You know, I've met her. She's pretty darn cool, but, you know, right. it's, not, it's not necessarily for everybody. No, no. Well, let's go through some minor housekeeping. Hey, we still got a Facebook page, Geek Roulette, as well as Twitter. So feel free to uh, go ahead, join up, yell at us for not being more proactive in getting episodes out. That's right. Maybe that'll help. Maybe that will help. I'll be like, oh, man, they're shaming me into putting out free content. How dare you? You monsters. Instead of watching TV all night, now we'll just have to record podcasts. Man, I don't have time as much to watch TV. I mean, I watch like what my youngest son will watch. And sometimes he watches things that are good. Like sometimes he wants to watch The Simpsons. I'm like, all right, I'll watch The Simpsons. Then other times, like he wants to watch the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which is just mind numbing. Yeah. He still watches that or is that Zane? the youngest well that is the youngest to zane i suppose i was gonna say if sanders trying to watch mickey mouse clubhouse still yeah youngest that would be that'd be bad yeah that would be horrible there is one good episode of mickey mouse clubhouse though have you seen it i don't know how do you quantify that <laughs> more good is just like bizarre it's the one where donald duck takes over and he sings like the donald duck clubhouse song have you seen that one i haven't you need to find that one that one's so I, good is probably not quite the word, just amusing and actually kind of funny. But yeah, you should look that one up. It's 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 good stuff. And I, think that, I think that one even at the end has like everybody doing the Mickey, their whatever the heck the hot dog hot dance. Hot it's got dance. like it's got like Pete doing it, who you never really see do it, and a couple other characters that never usually do it. It's 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 one of those gems. Uh, but the thing is, is that Donald Duck at least has a personality. Like Mickey is just a cipher. He's just, oh yeah, you project onto him. He's the most boring character in the world, but somehow he's got a multi-billion-dollar industry built around him. Yeah, Donald is definitely that's that's where the money is. If you're gonna be watching like cartoons or something like that, Donald's Donald's the stuff. Just bipolar, full of anger. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yes, he's a rage duck. All right. Well, how about this? Let's uh, let's kick ourselves into recommendations right now. 
what is it you want to recommend, John, that uh, you've been enjoying? Mine's probably going to be a cop-out because it's something we're going to talk about in a little bit, and that is going to be Clone Wars Season, what is it, 7? Whatever the last season is that just came out on Disney+. Plus. I was going to use it if you didn't, but I have a backup, so go ahead and use it. Yeah, it's. I won't get too much into it here because we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but it's just if you have Disney Plus and can watch Clone Wars Season 7, I highly recommend it. It's even if you haven't seen the previous six seasons, you can still watch it. It's 12 episodes long, um, and you can catch on pretty quick to what's going on. There's a little bit of backstory you'll be missing out on, but it's nothing you know that you're going to be missing out on a whole lot. You know, It might make you want to go back and watch some of those previous seasons. Um, but yeah, I'll just I'll leave it at that since, like I said, we're going to be talking about it a little bit. Clone Wars Season 7 on Disney+. Plus. It's great, great stuff. Well, I'm going to recommend... It's a band I've discussed before, at least I know in my previous incarnation of the podcast. And I might have brought them up before, but one band, I have very few minutes to myself. So things like when I get to go out, run errands, when I get to go mow the lawn, or when I wake up and just, to, you know, whenever that rarely happens early and go out and ride a bike. Music and podcasts are the two things I listen a lot. In terms of uh, bands, one band I've just been listening a lot to, and I, I really get more and more appreciation for them the more I listen to them, is The Sword. I, I love plugging The Sword. They started out as almost like a sort of like a doom metal band in vain, like almost like a nerd metal band of types just like Black Sabbath used to be or Man of War or Iron Maiden. But they've evolved over the years, and now – they're almost like almost a 70 late seventies rock homage band in terms of how their musical stylings are. And I've been listening to their last album, which is called used future and really just such an amazing album in terms of just tone and feel. And they have a, a compilate like a three disc uh, uh, collection coming out in about a month or two has their greatest hits as well as a bunch of unreleased B sides and live material. that's not been released. So, you know, if you want to listen to just some rock, like each of their albums just has like a different tone in some ways. Like they're, you know, the first album, major winners, definitely a lot more of like this medieval, you know, middle age sounding metal rock. You have like gods of earth, which continues at uh, a criff on, you know, that right there is more along the lines of like this weird sci-fi edge sound. Uh, one of my favorite albums is warp riders, which definitely has, um, a great just sort of like futuristic space age metal vibe. And then their last few albums like High Country and Use Future is definitely where more of the 70s influence comes in. So The Sword, give their catalog a listen. So so I'm looking at them on YouTube. Does this have like a Man of War feel to them? Like that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, like looking at their it's, album art. And the early stuff is, yes. They're like first few albums, as I said, like... um uh you know, their first few albums, like uh, Age of Winter and Gods of Earth, definitely, I think, more of a Man of War feel based on, you know, how the art is and some of the song topics, but not quite Man of War. So they're still a rock band in some ways and almost echoes some like Sabbath stuff, uh, Black Sabbath stuff as well. So huh, I'm going to have to check them out. I think I've heard you talk about them before, but I've never actually like looked into them at all. I, I would say the the essential listening for them and the three albums of theirs I like the most is uh, my favorites of theirs is Warp Riders. Warp Riders is great. Their latest album, Used Future, is amazing, and then a Criffon. Uh, those three are definitely ones I would strongly recommend listening to, and they're good ways to fill up some sound and time. I will have to do that. Good. Nice. Good. All right, let's uh, kick it into our arbitrary list. So the topic that I uh, posited for John 
was top three shows and or movies that we wish would get rebooted. And I've put in hyphenation for the better. Now, what I'm saying is this, is that some of the things that we may choose, it doesn't necessarily mean the originals were bad, but a newer version of them would perhaps be better in some ways. And the reason this is being spurred on it, I chose this as a topic and I didn't tell this to John is because there have been moving forward, trying to do a new reboot of Battlestar Galactica, which my opinion, you don't need a reboot Battlestar Galactica. I think no, I, would, they, I would agree with that. They nailed the, I mean, that was the where, and what I'm talking is the 2000 version, which was ironically enough, a reboot of the seventies version. That one's perfect, but there are things I think of, you know, that it's like, you know what? I wish they would have a different version of this. So three shows or movies. Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Um, I can go first. I did. I did all three or TV shows actually for mine. Um, And one of them may be a slight cheat because they actually are kind of redoing it. So I suppose we'll kind of see how that, uh, how that turns out. And we'll start with that one. Uh, The first one I picked is He-Man. Um, just because the original cartoon, I suppose there's a movie of that too. So I suppose technically that counts as both, although I've never seen the movie. Did you, um, I'll just to cut you off there. Did you ever see the Cartoon Network uh, reboot of it that was like in the 2000s? I don't think I was even aware that that was a thing. Actually, the, all right. So they did actually reboot He-Man. They had, I think, two or three seasons worth that was out in, uh, I want to say like the mid-2000s, maybe. mid uh, Yeah, around the mid-2000s. It actually was pretty good. It really had a much more tighter storyline about the motivations of all the characters in the show itself. So they did reboot it already once before. It wasn't the cheesy, hokey, you know, fun, fun, thing that was, you know, back in like the eighties. So, but I I would strongly recommend take a look, uh, look up for that. Yeah, I might have to go find that. Because, I mean, like you said, that the original version that we grew up with, which was basically just a half hour cartoon of recycled animation and just cheesy crappy nonsense i mean it was one of those things you love as a kid but then when you look back and you're like wow yeah that really didn't age well at all um but i feel like the concepts there are pretty cool you could do some cool stuff with it and like i said that is getting rebooted i think it's on netflix isn't it with kevin smith yeah that's the only thing i don't know about i mean i've seen the voice cast he's recruited so far which is a great cast i just Kevin Smith is just always having, yeah, you know. that's, that's that. Like we've, we talked before, he's very hit or miss, you know, hopefully he doesn't go with his, let's make this a tongue in cheek kind of, you know, funny, silly thing, you know, like, and you know, hopefully he takes a more serious approach to it. So skeptical is how that's going to go. Um, but yeah, that's my first one. He man. All right. Well, my, uh, my first recommendation, uh, there is one TV show that came out and once again, we're going to talk early mid two thousands that had probably one of the probably better single seasons of a television show that it could have for a debut and then managed just to completely and not by their fault, botch it up for then a longer period of time. I'm referring to the television show heroes heroes. I think that first season was such a great season with a concept of, you know, what if all of a sudden people started developing superpowers and how, you know, it affect a modernized world and everything it had like, you know, uh, Zach Quinto as or Quinto as uh, you know, one of the main bad guys and this secret shadow organization that's trying to control them. It was great. And the first season, the only thing that works against the first season, the last episode, there was a few missteps on how they landed it, but for the most part, great. The second season was one of the most hottest pieces of shit I have ever seen. 
Yeah, I remember Heroes, like I agree, the first season was amazing stuff. You know, not I wouldn't say perfect by any means, but it's definitely interesting stuff, especially for when it came out. But yeah, then it went downhill fast. Cause I think it did it go four seasons or just three. Yeah, it went four, and there was also a reboot that happened, I think, years ago that I didn't even bother because Yeah. But uh so I mean once again, this is something where it's like they re tried rebooting it, but they tried rebooting it with some of the original continuity, and, and that's that was part of the problem is that the second season, the biggest issue that made it go downhill, it was only like about 12, 13 episodes, and it was during the writer's strike. The writer's strike completely derailed the show. And it doesn't even matter like how much they had to try to do because of the abbreviated system, because of the writer's strike. They just let plot threads dangle all over the place. And the third season just got worse. That's where there was no consequences because if a character died, well, not a problem because guess what? This character is a time traveler. This character has healing powers. This person can bring somebody back from the dead. And it, it jumped a shark pretty fast. And yeah, it was, I think part of it is, is that it was a, the first season was so well conceived. I don't know if they said, you know, I even had any thought, well, where do we go after this? And it's, it's a problem yeah, it was, a lot of TV shows have. It, it was almost like they wrote that first season and were like, well, this isn't going to be popular at all. So we'll just write this nice one season, you know, and kind of wrap things up. And then it was, you know, fairly successful. And they were like, oh, shit, we've got to do a second season now. What are we going to do? And just scrambled to try and figure something out. And it just, yeah, it didn't work at all. Yeah. So I would like it if they could actually find a way to do that. I think the harder thing about trying to redo that now is that in a, now, post-Marvel movie MCU universe, you've already seen somebody maybe do it better in some ways. Yeah. So it, it'll be tricky, but I think it could still be done. But I was always just disappointed how that show turned out, and I always thought it deserved better. Yeah, and I think you could do it, but I think you'd almost have to do it, but I don't think you could call it Heroes again. Like, you could do it, but it'd have to be, like, a different concept with a different thing. And that Like a spiritual successor, almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think there's definitely room for that sort of thing, but it just hasn't really happened yet. Yeah. So that's my first one. My next one, I'm going to go with another cartoon from the 80s that was technically a commercial, although not quite as an oblique one. Um, that is Dungeons and Dragons, um, which, again, I suppose also has been a movie and a bad one at that. Um... But I just, I mean, Dungeons & Dragons is, you know, more popular now than I think it probably ever has been. Um, and I think it's just rife for some sort of TV show. This could be, I think, either one. It could be a TV show. It could be a movie series. You know, I think depending on how you write it would kind of dictate how it, you know, how it played out. And I don't think it has to be based on the same concept as a cartoon either. I think, you know, the cartoon where they get, well, they get pulled into a theme park ride and then suddenly they're stuck in the Dungeons & Dragons world. You could... Yep. maybe do some spin on that or maybe you just make it a straight up fantasy movie where you kind of you know roam around one of the themes of the you know forgotten realms or something like that or whatever you know whatever setting you want to place it in um but i think it's just it's you know it's a rich world with lots of different settings lots of different characters monsters creatures you know you could take some of the pre-existing stuff and use that or you could create your own i think there's just a ton that you could do with that. You know, you could, heck, you could do maybe a movie and TV show like side by side or something like that and kind of have them feed into each other somehow. But um, I, think, I think what would be tricky about this is that I think one of the things I thought was the charm of the original 80s uh, cartoon was is that these were regular modern people that were pulled into the Dungeons and Dragons world and they're just trying to adjust to it. I kind of like that fish out of water mentality of that. And if they did that, great. If you did it up as a straight Dungeons and Dragons, you know, just utilizing their various lores and stuff, 
it could be done, but I think the hard thing is this, is that you, you already have something like Game of Thrones, which is already kind of laid down and put the blueprint in front of it. You almost need to have some sort of twist. So if they rebooted it, my caveat is I still want to have that fish out of water kind of mentality where people are drawn. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that does kind of give it its unique twist. You know, yeah, I mean, otherwise it's since Dungeons and Dragons is more, you know, not necessarily the originator of a lot of that stuff, but it's the one I think a lot of people look at that they're just any generic you know, fantasy movie could technically be a right. Dragons movie. So yeah, you do kind of need that unique spin on it, but right. that's mine. And I, I think the other thing about having it where you have people pulled into that universe, it's kind of just like how you play Dungeons and Dragons, where it's like, Hey, you know, it's your outsider playing the role of somebody else at this point. So I, yeah. Yes. Uh, my second one. Um, now my second one, once again, the original material perfect you know i well mostly perfect i'm amazed i know they've tried finding ways to reboot this before and i don't know why they haven't i'm gonna say the uh, buffy and angel universe for buffy the vampire slayer Ooh, yeah and here's the thing is that you can do it as almost a continuation of the story you know especially when you consider how the series ended now granted you've had the comic books that have now been the ways that have sequeled off the shows itself but i'm uh i'm kind of amazed they haven't found a way to try to capitalize and bring this back in some shape way or format i mean it's yeah it's, it's a simple concept and it's just well, I think it wouldn't even necessarily like you said you could do it continuation you wouldn't even necessarily have it have to have it be the same characters right you know yeah, i mean just because yeah, I mean, just because of the way the Buffy or the Vampire Slayer thing, you know, like once a generation, you, you know, you could go forward a generation, like you could go back a generation and go, you know, do it in the past or something like that. And just kind of, you know, it'd be a prequel, but not really a prequel, you know, because it wouldn't have to connect to Buffy herself at all. You know, some of the same characters can maybe show up here and there, but um, yeah, you can kind of go pretty much anywhere forward and backwards in time. You could, you know, if, if you, you go forward in time, I mean, you could still have it where. Now, like Buffy is considered the Watcher, and now you have a different Vampire Slayer that you know she's mentoring and trying to use her experience. You can still have uh, uh, Anthony Head out there who can still play Giles as an example. I mean, you you it's as I said, I know they've worked tried thinking about bringing it back before. I'm just amazed they haven't yet. Yeah, I, th I think the trick with that is it's not. I don't think you want to reboot that one. I think that's one that you want to do more of a continuation, like we've been talking about. I think if I think if you flat out tried to reboot it, the fans, you know, the old school fans would just rebel against it like crazy and i think and especially because there's nothing wrong necessarily with the original stuff that came so i think if you can find a way to continue off of that that's the way to go yeah i mean you already have an established universe and lore just continue it so i agree yes um my last one is one i don't really have a ton of like first-hand information on i remember watching it as a kid um and that is good old buck rogers which if i remember right wasn't i almost thought about using buck rogers but i yeah. helped <laughs> and I'm not, like I said, I'm not super familiar. What was he? Wasn't he like a pilot or an astronaut or something that got lost in some kind of um, space time warp or something like that and ended up in the future? Let me help you out here because I actually had did a lot of research about Buck Rogers months ago on a lark. Uh, Buck Rogers, first off, it was basically originally started as a serial program back in like the 50s and 60s. It was a radio serial program. Yeah, yeah the one we're familiar with isn't even the original. 
Right. Then it was rebooted or reimagined and made in the late seventies as the answer to the Star Wars, and it was done by Glenn Larson, the same person who also made Battlestar Galactica. It was about an astronaut that got put in the accidentally suspended animation, and then he was revived, you know, five hundred years later in a new futuristic Earth. Now, it was kind of where then he. The weird thing is this: they had a movie that was both released in the theaters as well as a primetime miniseries of the show itself. And it was basically about dealing with like, you know, you know, and it sort of like, um, uh, what fascist and, you know, alien culture that wants to take over the universe. And then him joining up with the earth people and using his old earthen ways to try to do it. The first season was a very, you know, interesting season. It was like, think 25 26 episodes and it was definitely just kind of just as weird take on it was campy but fun the second season well there was like a minor tv strike issue and then after the strike they rebooted the show where they got rid of a lot of the characters they introduced like hawkman which was one of the characters that they make fun of in rick and morty with uh, bird person <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was like, a, instead of it being like this, you know, intergalactic police, all of a sudden it was like them doing like a Star Trek thing where they were exploring all over the place. The second season sucks horribly. The first season was good, but to your point, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I am amazed they haven't found a way to try to reboot it or find a way to. Yeah, it's, it's, it. I remember watching it as a kid. I don't know if it got played back to back with Battlestar Galactica. Um, it did usually back in the day. So that must've been why I watched it. Um, yeah, I just I just think that there's something there that if you take somebody from you know our current day or whatever, throw them in the future, it seems like something that could be done pretty well these days. You know, and I suppose it doesn't even necessarily have to be Buck Rogers. Maybe just kind of a takeoff on the same idea, but uh, something that could be done pretty well these days. I think. Yep. No, I I almost had that. I, that was like probably no. It didn't make the cut. It went to like number four or five. Like I would say, it went to number five. Number four that didn't make my list. Uh, was rebooting the adventures of Briscoe County Jr., the uh, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell thing. I was, I think it was a show that was always great, but I think it was, came out at the wrong time. It came out, it was ahead of its time in terms of, let's say, its overall humor, but because of it being syndicated and being bounced all over time frames, it just it was a kiss of death. Yeah, I've heard good things about that, but never actually seen it. Yep. Uh, no, my number three, this is something that's become much more recently available where I can watch it in its almost entirety. And I tried it, and I, I couldn't do it. It's something that's available on Disney+. Plus, and it's something that everybody used to think was one of the most awesome things possible. But, man, it does not hold up well, and I wish they would do a better reboot of it in a modern way. What am I talking about, John? My first thought is Escape from Witch Mountain. No, it's a show. A show? Yes, they already show. did a reboot of Escape from Witch Mountain. They, they did, but you kind of alluded that it's already that they should do a better one or something. So I thought maybe you were referring to that because that was a rock thing, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that was a vehicle for the rock. Um, TV show? I'm not sure. What are you getting at? I am talking the early 90s X-Men cartoon series. <laughs> and hear me out here is that when this cartoon came out in the 90s, it was for me and you probably one of the most awesomest things possible. Oh yes, yes. Because we the X Men were huge; they were blown up all over the place. Finally, they got a primetime cartoon of you know, or not a primetime, but like a high yeah, Fox in Saturday mornings. And 
I think back then we were just happy to have an X-Men card. Oh yeah. This was like, people don't necessarily realize now, like back then, like in the early nineties, like any comic book or nerd related thing that got on TV or the movies was like a godsend. So having this, you know, like you said, prime time, quote unquote, cartoon that goes you could watch every day the theme would come on and you just get super giddy and excited like, oh my god it's the x-men i can't believe it right but when you try watching it now and if you have disney oh, yeah. plus watch it it is just tough no, to watch it, it does not age well the animation wasn't bad the voice acting was just absolutely horrible the plots were just are just cheesy it's just very cringeworthy but we we loved it because we didn't have a different option back then and they did, I would say, in some ways, tried rebooting the X-Men. Uh, there was a early 2000s, they had X-Men Evolution, but it was like the X-Men in high school. And what if the X-Men went to high school and then the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants went to high school and Magneto? And actually, that was a good cartoon series. I would just want to see a modernized cartoon version of the X-Men. Just, I'm hell, you know what? Don't even put the x-men in the marvel movies at this point just make use cartoons because it's cheaper on special effects get quality voice actors but i after watching that cartoon it's like man this is just bad it deserves better and just it unless you it's only fueled by nostalgia at this point it's the only reason why i think people yeah. love the esteem they do yeah there's a lot of people that look back on that fondly and heck there was even a comic book series a couple of years ago that was kind of based on that whole same kind of era, that feel of, you know, that, that team of X-Men. Yeah. So that's our arbitrary list. Uh, this is going to be a categories episode. You didn't even say what the topic of this episode was. God, it's like we haven't done this in a month or something. I know. What a bunch of rubes we are. Um, we're going to talk over a few different topics of things that are going on in the nerd and geek world. Uh, ironically enough, a lot of it's going to be probably Star Wars based. A few other things here and there. Um, I'm going to start off with this. Uh, Star Wars has had a lot of big news. Uh, they saved one of their big announcements for the uh, 4th of May, so for Star Wars Day, uh, when they announced that Taika Waititi was going to be taking on a series of Star Wars films. Good on you, Star Wars. Yes, that's, I mean, he did the, what well, was the last episode of The Mandalorian, even if he hadn't done that, like just. Well, he did a few, I think. I think he directed two episodes and then he did the voice acting for IG. Uh, yeah. Okay. I knew it was the last one. I wasn't sure if he'd done another one or not, but yeah, either way, just, you know, between that, you know, his, his movie work, his, you know, his Marvel work on uh, Thor Ragnarok and just, he, he's kind of one of the, you know, the it creators now in Hollywood, I suppose you can call it. And I think nabbing him for a Star Wars movie is just a brilliant move on their part right i mean he's he's done so many different great things and then you know both in just the geek world and even not in the geek world i mean the episode or two ago mentioned about jojo rabbit once again even like his non-geek stuff is still has an amazingly rich and nice quirky tone to it but nonetheless can still convey a lot of emotions so i'm happy that he's at least taken over I still feel they need to get rid of Kathleen Kennedy and have her not oversee any of Star Wars anymore. Get rid of her. Yeah, and I think, and I got into it a little bit on somebody on Facebook over this in one of my threads. I mean, not really into it, more of a discussion, but like, even if just keep her, and I think we talked about here, even like keep her in charge of the business or somebody else in charge of the business. Let, you know, Dave Filoni, um, John Favreau, and maybe a handful, let them kind of be the guiding force of you know, Star Wars creative in the near future, you know, they can kind of 
they don't need to oversee every single thing, but I think your major releases, like your movies, your TV shows, you know, kind of, they should have some kind of hand in it because they clearly have a love for it. They, you know, they've made things that people, you know, that the most talked about Star Wars in the past year or so, two years has been the stuff that they've worked on. Well, and I, I think we can revisit this too with uh, not, well, not our next topic, but one of our later topics we're going to talk about, which is Rise of Skywalker. Um, Another thing in terms of Star Wars news that's come over out over the past couple of weeks. Now, before May 4th, one of the big uh, casting things that was you know being out there was that for the second season of The Mandalorian, they were going to have um, the potential of having Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano in See, the series. And there's been a few of these because there's that one of Rosario Dawson. There was that Tamara Morrison is going to play that Boba one. Fett. And then that just come out because, yeah, that's there's two new and other then, accounts. Yeah, and then just recently that uh, Katie Sackhoff of Battlestar Galactica is going to play Bo-Katan, the, you know, another Mandalorian. And it just it seems odd to me that these announcements are coming out now since season two shooting wrapped like two or three months ago. You know, I mean, I suppose it could just be coming out post-production or something somehow, but it seems like this is the sort of thing you would announce like before the season started shooting or something. Just, I don't know, the timing just seems really weird to me. So I'm kind of skeptical, especially since we haven't gotten an official release on any of this cast. You know, they might, it might be something they're just trying to keep quiet. You know, they want to keep secret, so they're kind of not giving it any credit to, you know, maybe downplay it a little bit. But well, I'm, I'm still skeptical until I see it on screen or I see something official, I think. I, I think I see it more as a smarter strategic move. And one of our other topics later this episode we'll talk about, let's be very clear here, is that they they said there was gonna this series was gonna come out in October, and it sounds like they had all the main production stuff. The only thing that would work against them is if they have to do any re-recording stuff. But now that some of the states are lightening up some of the restrictions in terms of what's going on with the COVID-19 virus, they do need to do reshoots or stuff. I look at it this way is that if this is maybe a very smart tactical move because you already have something that's already been built up or already has huge hype. Everybody loved the Mandalorian. So what's Mandalorian's competition right now? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, not much. So why not even build a hype up factor, you know, by announcing some of these other casting things? Cause with having a uh, Timu Morrison, you know, being announced that Boba Fett's going to be back in that he kind of made a cameo in the first season. I saw what was rewatching it and just sort of like, yeah, all right. You could say that's what it was, but I'm not as actually stoked about Boba Fett playing uh, or Timu Morrison playing Boba Fett. I'm more stoked if they bring him in to play commander Rex. Yes. You know, that's the, actually probably a more better role that I probably care more about, but Boba Fett because of, you know, what is, what is a, yeah, no, I, I agree. Rex is, yeah. Rex is awesome. Um, and the fact that they're bringing in, you know, Ahsoka, who's, you know, good buddies with Rex and Bo-Katan who's, you know, has been, had, uh, excuse me, shared screen time with them. I mean, it just seems, you know, like everybody's kind of like, well, when are we going to see the Sabrina Rencast, Sabine casting now? You know, when's she going to come along? She's kind of the only one that's missing out of that little group of people. Well, and the one thing that we've mentioned before, like at least on Facebook, when you're talking, because you haven't seen all, I don't think you've seen the fifth season of Clone Wars, have you? No, not all of it. I would I'm, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm laxing in my Clone Wars viewing. I would definitely watch that one because that's where you get much more of the information and backstory about Bo-Katan. You get a lot more information about the dark saber with uh, Moff Gideon uh, using that in the end of, you know, Mandalorian all of a sudden now, like all this casting now it's just becoming where the Mandalorians become now a huge spiritual successor to clone wars. 
yeah. because of a lot of the plot elements that have been introduced by Dave Filoni, who's done both of them right there. So, yeah, I am now. I was already well on board for it. Now that I've seen that some of the casting, and especially with Sakhanov being added onto that, that's that's just great. That's brilliant casting right there. And some people might worry that, well, does this take away from you know the Mandalorian being the main character of the show? Not at all. I don't feel that. I think yeah, I think that's a concern, but I think I I trust the you know the people that are involved enough to kind of not you know, okay, now we're just going to hand this over to Ahsoka and, you know, Boba Fett and all these other characters. So I'm hoping that it's, you know, the Mandalorian still keeps the spotlight, but, you know, hey, you know, we've got these supporting characters that, yes, they're big characters, you know, from other things before, but here, you know, they're maybe a little bit more downplayed, you know, still taking part in everything, but they're not, you know, taking the spotlight from... Well, you know, I... I even think about the first season, The Mandalorian, before that came out when I was hearing that Werner Herzog was going to be in there and Carl Weathers and uh, Gia Carano. I'm like, wow, I mean, you're having all of these people in there. How's the show going to work? And then you watch the show. I'm like, yeah, they balanced out perfectly. They used them all the way yeah. they needed to. And yeah, good for them. So, so yeah. yeah, I'm really uh, stoked about all of the new Star Wars news coming out and everything. Obviously, you know, the movies, you know, the uh to heady movies are gonna, not going to come out for at least another couple of years or so but yeah the man the mandalorian right now is in a prime position right now to help basically be probably the event of the year at this point based on how the entertainment industry is going to go so yeah i mean especially if they can still hold on to that october you know that fall i think they just said fall i don't think they announced a specific date did they but i heard early october is when it was supposed to be coming out that's what i was thinking but i couldn't quite remember but either way if they can stick to like some kind of fall debut you know hopefully if they do need to do like you said some pickups they can you know that some place are laxing their things um they can get that done safely and figure out a way to get that taken care of you know obviously all the post-production work you can probably do remotely and just you know get that done at people's houses and stuff so hopefully we can still hit that that date but even if it gets delayed a little bit i'm okay if that means that you know the quality's gonna be where we want it to but but yeah i mean if that can stick that fall landing then there's you know there's not a whole lot coming out the rest of the year so they've got a good chance to swoop in and just dominate even more exactly um next up in our topics we got a revisit and then a review let's let's tackle on the revisit first um so within the past few weeks and everything and especially on star wars day another thing that was added on to disney plus was the rise of skywalker and i i gave it another rewatch i've watched it maybe twice over the past week and a half two weeks or so it's like you know what have I been unfair to this movie? It's a movie that I've not really liked and had a lot of issues with. And, you know, how does it hold up once you take the hype out of it and you just judge it on its own? And uh, you, I know you've watched already probably a few times or so over the past few weeks. Yeah, I've, I've watched it once when it, since it came out on home video and Disney Plus. Right. So uh, it still sucks. That's Yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as to say it, it sucks. I mean, I still don't really care for it. It's probably still my least favorite out of the newest movies that have come out since the the Disney takeover. You know, there's still, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm largely kind of the same way I was before. There's some bits that are kind of cool, but for the most part, it just, it feels, it still feels rushed. Like they just tried to cram too much in there and just it, yeah, it still just doesn't work, especially now that the novelization is out. And in the novelization, there's all this stuff that, you know, oh, now that you, if you read the book, you can, you know, find out why exactly or how the emperor came back and no i mean how, I, how, did, how did he have a son it's like well I, I shouldn't really need to read the book to get these fairly pertinent pieces of information right i mean i i think that's the thing it's still i mean watching the movie it's 
it, it's something that basically feels like a corporate course correction where it's like, hey, you know what? There was some people that didn't like The Last Jedi. Make it more like The Force Awakens. And some of the things they did, like some of the more jokey, jokey parts that they had to try to make the casting like they're all chummy and friends, it felt forced and ham-fisted. It's like, you know what? Everything in The Force Awakens felt smooth in terms of like, hey, these are people that are gradually learning to like each other. Instead, it's like, ha, everybody's a quip machine now. And like, you know. Well, especially when they were quipping with each other, it was almost like they were kind of jabbing at each other, you know, like they weren't, like they were just kind of annoyed with each other the whole movie. It felt more like than they were annoyed with them the whole movie. <laughs> well, yes, that is, that too, of course, but it felt like they were just annoyed with each other. Like they just, you right. know, just knitting at each other and just, yeah. Well, and one thing, like, you know, and I didn't put much thought into it, but now, like, I've watched the movie and again, and it's the beginning of the movie. You have Kylo Ren trying to find the, like, Exegol and the Emperor, and he finds him. And the Emperor in the beginning is like, I want you to kill Rey. Kill Rey because she's a problem. And, you know, that's his whole thing. Is like, I got to take down, you know, Rey or the Emperor's plan. Until it isn't, because then later in the movie, he's like, ah, but I'm going to put my body in a ray. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Did like, you just kill her? You're kind of jumping all over the place. And even it got me thinking even more like one of the things that was brought up uh, that came out like a couple week or so ago, uh, one of my favorite YouTube things to watch is Cinema Sins, where it goes through movies and assigns sins based on just bad writing plot points or just cheesy things. And one point it brought up, which I had never even thought about is like, if you have the ability to create clones of Snoke and yourself and make yourself, why would you put yourself in a crusty ass old emperor? Like to like ABV <laughs> and battle of like battle of, or, uh, you know, battle of indoor quality emperor body. Why not put them like in a young body? What was the whole like thing? I'm going to put myself yeah. in a grand body. And I think I even brought that up. So, like, why did he, like, did he force lightning his face again a second time? Because that was, you know, since that was how he did it the first time to get all wrinkly and crusty looking was when he forced, like, did he, like, I need my old look. I must force lightning my face. Right. I I get that. Okay. Maybe, yes, his power is so great and dark that it, you know, prematurely decayed this body. But why would it look, you know, like, wouldn't it decay it in other ways rather than decay it in the exact same way that he did before? Well, and just what was this? What was his end game right there? It's like I'm going to rule the world again, but yeah. first I need to put myself into my granddaughter's body, which I orchestrated. Wait, what? Wait, yeah. Your whole plan was this. I mean, that's the whole emperor plan thing was all messed up. All the fake outs with Chewie dying is still messed up. You know, I, there's some moments in there where you know I sit there and think, man, if they would have just made this more better focused about maybe the rise the fall and rise of ben solo and you know ray you know trying to help reestablish your order maybe it might have been better but instead it's well i feel like and i don't i don't remember if there's something i brought up before but it almost makes the skywalker saga and it almost turns it into the palpatine saga in a way almost because you know without having him there the last two movies he doesn't even really get brought up until this one you know, it kind of like he was there the whole time. And it's like, well, then isn't these nine movies basically just about Palpatine's rise to power, defeat, and then eventual return instead of the Skywalkers? I mean, yeah, they're kind of there, but, you know, he's kind of more active than they are. They're kind of just reacting to things he's doing. Well, and this is my biggest criticism, I think, and it, not just the movies, but, 
you know, the, the one point I've uh, brought up before is in my um, admiration and respect for Kevin Feige for what he's done with the MCU. He managed to take 20 plus movies and find a way to create a cohesive universe. Sure, there's been some maybe little hiccups here along the way where, hey, you know what? Plot-wise, that doesn't make sense because didn't this happen in this movie? Sometimes that's that's going to happen. But nonetheless, he held it together. He fired directors that people weren't even like, why are you firing these directors like Edgar Wright? Because they felt they weren't right for what their universe was trying to do. And he actually was working towards, and then they smartly had phases. The whole phase, this first phase is building towards the Avengers. The second you know, point of this phase is introducing the next generation of heroes. You know, the third phase is, you know, the infinity war. And he always had something he was working and building towards in the background of each of these movies. My biggest problem is that, you know, whole the whole thing with like, you know, what happened in this sequel trilogy is just disappointing. And it's all Kathleen Kennedy's fault because you hear, you know, you have a great start with the force, you know, awakens, but then like, you know, everybody starts getting split on opinions on the last Jedi. And then you see what happens like in, you know, the rise of Skywalker and it makes me sit here and wants to go to Kathleen Kennedy and say, why would you have a sequel trilogy planned? And you knew it was going to be a trilogy and you didn't know, like everybody's like, well, Ryan Johnson did these things that we maybe didn't quite agree with. Well, then why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you say, ultimately, this is where our end story is going? Yeah. And- it's, it's like, you're like, you're saying like, it's, it's almost like they didn't have this, grand plan and it was like ah eh, we're gonna make a movie what are we gonna do the second one i don't know we'll figure it out right you i mean you, you don't sit there you don't make a trilogy and then like each movie come up with the plot from there so when like jj abrams they hire him back like you got to make it just like the force awakens and change all these things that people maybe did or didn't like about the last jedi which i none of those things i minded then he's just like well all right palpatine's the bad guy like wait what how does that make any sense and that can't be what you were building towards. But, you know, since Snoke died in the second movie, it's like, well, we don't have a big bad guy anymore. Well, we what about uh, Ben Solo? No, we don't have faith in that. And, you know, so it just became this whole just weird movie, which was just a muddled mess of an action film, a whole bunch of service. And again, this is on Kennedy. And what's weird is that she completely micromanaged the standalone films in both Solo and Rogue One. Like, remember when you saw the first uh, trailer for Rogue One? And then when we saw in the movie, there was so much footage in that trailer that was not even in the movie because yeah. of all the reshoots they did because all the director issues they had. Yes. Yeah, and there was even, like, whole scenes, I guess, that, like, there was some scene of them running out to the beach or something I remember reading about that, you know, you can see parts of it in the trailer that, you know, they just end up cutting whole cloth. Yeah. I mean, they, or the fact that like Saw Guerrera, you know, has long hair in like one part and then one photo or then super short hair because they had to do reshoots and everything, you know, that was, it's because, you know, they had so many issues and it's because they micromanaged the same thing with Solo. Like, we don't like what's going on here. Uh, let's uh, bring in Ron Howard, reshoot the majority of the movie. And you just have, it's not that the funny thing is, is that Rogue One and Solo, they're both not bad movies. They're there's good movies in there, but you can see where they become muddled messes sometimes just because of, you know, all yeah. that. And, and I like them both, you know, they're both very different movies. Um, I think solo could have been better, but I liked it for what it was. But yeah, I think like you said, there's a better movie. They're, they're good movies, but I think there's a better movie in each one of them. 
right? I think Solo was good for the first one-third to half. And then, like, you can see where there's a huge tonal shift. And then instead of being this, like, heist movie, then it just becomes this weird thing that on its own. And I don't know. Yeah. So I, I would say this, Rise of Skywalker months later, I, I still have it near the bottom of most of my Star Wars movies. Yeah, still problematic. Not a fan or not a huge fan. So let's revis- go from a revisit of something to let's review something. Let's review the last season of Clone Wars. Yes. Let's get on to something good. Mostly good. Well, yes, mostly good. Me, me and you. I think, I think, I think it's all good. Right, it some is. Of it's just, some of it's just better than others. Well, I twelve episodes long. There was three story arcs, and our opinions vary. But I think our opinions vary because I've watched the entire series where there's parts of that you haven't watched. So some yeah. of that context informs some of my decision. Whereas I can also see why, if you were to try to judge it on a standalone merit, why maybe one thing might be more interesting than the other. So, um, I would I would say this with the Clone Wars, three stories arcs in there. The wrap up of what was the whole series to give it a proper finale. The first story arc deals with, um basically a lost uh, clone trooper a clone trooper that was thought captured and gone and it revisits a story from earlier in the clone war series itself and it's using you know the re- sort of the different rejector special bread troopers to try to get it back now you said you weren't as much of a fan of this one that you said you liked it but you thought it was a little bit slow yeah, it just, I mean, I think it, it could have been shorter. I don't think it needed to be four episodes. I think if you had tightened it up a little bit, it probably wouldn't have been a little better. You know, maybe made some of it more fast-paced. I don't want to say fast-paced because it was fairly, you know, action-packed as it was. But I, I don't know. I think just four four episodes seemed a little a little long. You know, and I think that goes for the second arc, too, which we'll get to in a minute. It was a little long. That one, you know, more clearly in one point. But uh, it, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I didn't like it. It just it was like, oh, that was that was a good... It, it it felt like a baseline good Clone Wars episode. Like if you want something like okay, this is kind of where you can judge all the rest of the episodes at. Like it's good, it's not the best, but it's also certainly not the worst. I felt it was just a good, you know, a good a good arc, and that's you know, damning it with false praise, I suppose, or faint praise. I, I think the reason that I like the first arc of the Clone Wars is because of two reasons. Uh, reason number one is I feel that. Since this is this series, you know, if you were to ask who's the main protagonist of the series, most people probably tell you Ahsoka, then Anakin. But I would say the third protagonist, some might say Obi-Wan. I'll say it's the clone troopers. They've had a lot of episodes that are focused just on the clone troopers or, you know, various aspects of who they are, what they do, the sacrifices they make. So one thing I like about the first story arc is I almost feel like it's as happy of an ending as you're going to get for the clone troopers, knowing what's coming up. Yeah, yeah, considering what they have in store for them. Right. So with that, it's kind of a nice send-off right here in the sense that, hey, you know what? They had a bad thing happen in the past, and guess what? You know, they were able to rescue one of their lost, long-lost allies. And, you know, the other thing that I like about what the first story arc does, too, it actually shows that the... uh, trade federation and the entire separatists it actually shows that they're a threat in some ways because one thing the movies don't show is that 
the movies basically make it look like that the Republic is just steamrolling over the bad guys pretty easily. I like how there's stakes in that first arc that, hey, you know what? We're getting beat up pretty bad right now. We're trying to figure out how they know our tactics. Our shipyards are getting destroyed. We can't build ships. It actually makes it feel like the Separatist army is actually, you know, dangerous. In yeah, that, it, you know, yeah. it could have gone an entirely different way in so many different ways. So I kind of like how it fleshes out. It makes the bad guys feel better what it is because one of the throwaway aspects of uh, Clone Wars is how many clone troops or uh, robot troops or droid army troops they like you know cut through and everything and make it almost seem like cartoonish in some ways it's nice to say yeah they had but they can have such an indispensable amount of it and you know that's how i look at it, at least no it was good i think like you said it does definitely kind of give it actually some stakes because in the movies and even though i think a lot of points in the clone wars cartoon itself like it just they almost seem cartoonish the way they have some of the droids act and just oh you know that's you know but like you said they kind of there's a sense of like, you know, hey, we're not going to necessarily win here. This is, you know, we're, things are getting kind of dire and we need to figure out what's going on. Right. So uh, move on to the second arc and I'll have you, uh, I'll have you touch on that first and talk about your opinions. So the second arc is another, it's another four episodes and it's all three of these are basically four episodes each. Um, and it starts off basically, if I remember right, basically right where we last saw Ahsoka on like a speeder bike. You know, she's kind of flying through Coruscant. Her speeder breaks down, and she runs into a couple of sisters, basically. And it's basically four episodes where Ahsoka's kind of trying to hide the fact that she's a Jedi while trying to help these two sisters who are kind of down on their luck. You know, one of them's a little bit more optimistic and, you know, kind of wants to do the right thing, whereas the other sister's the one who's looking out for their best interest, but not necessarily in the best way. You know, she kind of gets some skeevy deals and one of them is a hardworking one doing what they can to keep everything together. And the other one that does all the shady stuff, as you're saying that it's basically two different moralities almost, but they're both the, their intents are good. It's just how they try to achieve their end goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and eventually they end up like running some spice, which Ahsoka is obviously not very cool with. And they just get into all this trouble with the Pike family, who is, you know, kind of a notorious Star Wars crime family or organization. I'm not sure if it's a family or an organization or how it works. Um, and they end up getting caught prisoner and they have to get out of it. And I think this arc, I mean, it was okay. I mean, again, I kind of liked it a little bit better than the Clone Wars one. Um, but I felt there was one episode that was like just completely wasted. The one where they did escape from prison a couple times. And at the end of it, they're still in prison. Right. Uh, I felt like just a spinning wheel episode right there. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we need a fourth episode guys. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's have them run around the city. We'll do some cool action stuff, but they'll still be in jail at the end of it. So I, I think know, the that, whole point of the whole arc was to try to establish and show to Ahsoka that, Hey, the Jedi aren't as loved and revered as you think they are because they're too focused on this. This is how the public perceives the Jedi and it, you know, and how nobody cares about the lower citizens of the Republic that, you know, suffer and toil over in much more seedier situations. And I, this could have been maybe a two story, you know, arc and maybe take two episodes and focus on something else. I thought, it was a little too long and a little too just ham fisted in some ways about Jedi are bad. And Ahsoka's like Jedi aren't bad until she realizes, Oh, well maybe the Jedi are bad. Yeah. You could kind of see that reveal when they reveal the whole, you know, our parents were killed by something that the Jedi were involved in. You could, you could see that coming a mile away before it came. So, I mean, right. you know, it was, again, fine, but it could have easily, easily been one episode shorter for sure. But probably like you said, two episodes and, you know, had a nice two parter and, 
gotten out and done something else. Essentially, it was a way of trying to like, I think it was a bridge to try to find a way to how to bring Darth Maul back into play, you know, because it shows that he was also in charge of that crime syndicate family as well. And the other part too, is also how to bring the Mandalorians like, Oh, wait a minute. We recognize, you know, her, she's one of the Jedi. Maybe they can help us, you know, with our issue. And that, that brings us, you know, to our last arc of the whole series, which they cinematically beautiful as possible. They changed the whole intros. They changed the whole music. They did give it so much gravity, which is just, this was like when it first started and you had that, different intro where it was the, the it was green and it was like a lucasfilm limited production i was like oh they're going cinematic on this one you know because that's how all the movies start and it just you you knew right off the bat that you were in for something that was not going to be your typical clone wars arc and it and it sure as heck wasn't like if you, even if you skip the first two arcs you know you you need to jump into this one on the you know what would it be the the ninth episode and just and start watching here because it's basically like a, a clone wars movie to close out the series Essentially, Bo-Katan, who's in charge of the Mandalorians, asks Ahsoka to know to try to help enlist the help of the Republic and others to try to help them. They're under siege from the faction that currently controls Mandalore. She leads there, but she's not in charge of the government. The only thing I would say is that it does help to know what's going on Mandalore, maybe, to you know, at the start of this, like just knowing what happened, how Maul took it over and how things yes. work, what's going on there. It, I think it helps. It's not necessary. You can kind of glean some of that, but I think that's why season five of clone wars is so important to that. Yeah. Just because of how much it informs what's going on in this episode and how much Maul has his hands, you know, and what's going on with the you know, Mandalore and what the current political climate was there. But you know, they basically, these episodes run almost concurrently with what's going on in episode three, Revenge of the oh, Sith. They, they absolutely do. I mean, there's scenes where you, you come in like moments after a scene that's that happened in, you know, Revenge of the Sith or certain lines get said, you know, like I think Mace Window has a line, I forget which one it is. That's, you know, word for word what he says in, in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, you, it's the, way, the way they cut back and forth is just amazing. Uh, the, you know, you you see certain things and it answers certain questions too, which were unspoken questions like, "Hey, you know what? With the siege of Mandalore, the reason the whole Republic didn't help us because that was when Palpatine was captured by yeah. you know Count Dooku and how that plays out." You see, you know, the end result after result of that, like you see how Obi Wan feels about Anakin's behaviors, killing Dooku and doing the things, and even Ahsoka's reaction, finding out what Anakin did to Dooku as well. You know, it shows, I think, a better informed emotional idea of just how those characters are at that time. You know, you see like the build up to, you know, hey, here's all these troops that are going to fight at Ahsoka's side knowing that within a matter of a day or so that yeah. these troopers are going to turn on her, you know, and with order 66 and, you know, just it's the impending dread that, yeah, they're doing something good, but you know how it's going to end. It's just seeing yeah, it's, it, out it's, there. It starts out those first two episodes. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, like some just amazing stuff. Like I think I rewound that scene where she's falling down onto Mandalore and jumping from ship to ship like three times, you know, there's all this cool stuff happening. And it builds up, you know, she gets this, you know, this legion that, you know, has her, you know, head, her face paint stuff on their masks. And, but like you said, all the while knowing that eventually that, that soon they're going to be turning on her and whoever else, you know, to 
complete Order 66. You know, but there's so much other stuff going on. You know, then Darth Maul shows up, and they, you know, all that awesome stuff happens, and it just it it almost distracts you from this doom that's happening. And the, the third and fourth episodes come along, and you're just thrust, you know, fully into it. And again, if you've watched Star Wars Rebels, this episode also informs episodes of Rebels of hey, here's why you know some of the things between you know Maul and Ahsoka and even Obi Wan have all came to play too because of it's one of those things that it's funny because I remember like when Phantom Menace came out, you saw the previews like, Oh, Darth Maul is going to be this awesome guy. And it gets cut in half and he's like, Oh, that sucks. And then the clone wars managed to not only redeem Darth Maul, but giving him such an amazing amount of depth and everything. And just even him, even sitting there saying that, Hey, I need to stop Skywalker. Skywalker is the one who's going to bring down everything. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was kind of one of the more interesting parts is that, you know, like him having been this part of Sidious's plan, you know, he kind of says at one point, you know, I was part of Sidious's plan, but then I got discarded and he's like, but now I can kind of look back and see how all these pieces that he was playing with, how they're all, you know, getting put together. He's like, I know what he's doing. I know what he's planning on doing. And, and you know, he kind of wants to stop him, but more just he wants to stop him almost so that he can swoop in and, you know, take over instead now that he knows what's going on. He's like a weird combination of both the villain I wouldn't say necessarily anti-hero, but a tragic hero in some ways, because imagine had like, let's say, because the, the beauty of also that whole story arc too, is that he did the siege hoping that Obi-Wan would come. And once again, if you haven't seen a lot of the episodes of Clone Wars, earlier episodes or the fifth season, you don't know why Obi-Wan would be emotionally invested in coming to Mandalore. And he was expecting him instead of getting Ahsoka because he was planning on recruiting Obi-Wan to try to say, Hey, here's where everything's going wrong. I need you at my side. And, you yeah. know, and he had to make the same pitch to Ahsoka where it's going to fall a lot more flatter on deaf ears. Granted, she does listen though, because she is disenchanted with a Jedi though, too. So. Yeah. It, that whole conversation I have where he kind of talks about what's going on and he's like, you know, pulls very much like a Kylo Ren, like he did, you know, and he's like, you know, take my hand and let's go, you know, team up and, stop this thing from happening and for a second you think she's going to she kind of plays into a little bit but then she's like you know no freaking way dude like you know and it just then they have their duel and it just the whole thing yeah it's it's good stuff right i i would say out of those last four episodes amazing i would say my only thing is the fourth and final episode with them trying to escape from the clone troopers and everything I felt there could have been some time dedicated to other things. I think that maybe went a little long, but yeah, I, I, I would agree. That's kind of my thought too is, you know, you almost feel like, you know, was that just stretched out because they needed to get a 20, you know, like if it, if the, if this had been a movie, like, and I almost feel like this, you could totally show this in theaters. Like if this became like a fathom event or something, I would go see it. But you know, like if this didn't have to be a 22 minute episode, they could probably have taken, you know, maybe eight minutes off of it and just, you know, put it with the other three episodes and it would have been a nice little cap on it. But yeah, that right. last episode did feel a little bit dragged out just to kind of. Well, it just felt you know, more like a long action sequence where there wasn't as much plot advancement or development. It was just more or less, here's how the characters finally got from like the, you know, well, point it, A to point Z. Right? Yeah, I was just going to say it was literally, we need to get from point A to point B. And then there was a bunch of people in between them and they had to figure out how to get through them. And that's basically what the episode was. Yeah. So cool bits I, in there. don't get me wrong. It's not bad. It just eh, could have been better. Yeah. So I, I would say this, I mean, definitely by all means, 
watch this final season and watch the entire Clone War series in general. I, there's going to be some duds in there. I think one of the things that people have often said about Filoni is that he struggles when it comes to the middle of sometimes a certain season, which I can understand because you look at the whole sister storyline that's in the middle of the season. With his work in The Mandalorian, they did have a couple of, I would say, almost spinning wheel episodes where he's just kind of not dealing with the main plot and just dealing with other things. Sometimes those episodes can be good. Sometimes you know that it's almost like a filler episode because it's not going to advance the plot. Yeah, well, I wonder, too, if that part of that problem is because these are still, a lot of those seasons were back when, you know, TV shows had to be 20-some episodes long. And so he's like, okay, well, here's the stories we want to tell that are, the you know, the defining arcs of the, se- the season. But we still need to get in, you know, eight, nine, ten more episodes, however many it might be, you know. So uh, let's do this might be kind of cool. So it just kind of pads out the season a little bit. Whereas, you know, when he gets to do, you know, season seven, and I think even six was a shorter one, you know, you can kind of put in however many you want. You don't have to worry about, you know, we have to plod this out for the network. Well, that's my only concern, though, is like, yeah, like the the seventh season, we're only talking 12 episodes. It could yeah. have been 10 episodes, I think, and almost been just as effective in some ways. Yes, agreed. All right. Uh, the only other thing I have left in our category topic to talk about, and one thing, this this stemmed from a conversation in a Facebook neighborhood group I'm part of in my neighborhood. And, you know, people, I, I live in a weird neighborhood sometimes because we... I'm, I mean, I'm not saying this to brag. My neighborhood is more, cons, you know, perceived as perceived as being a upper scale neighborhood itself. It's people here have that perception too. They're like, "Oh, we're such a nice city. We're we're much nicer here than you know St. Paul or Minneapolis, where there's all this crime and stuff." And it's smoke and mirrors, you know. I mean, yes, there's things that are nice about our neighborhood, but it doesn't mean the things that around us aren't happening. It's just uh, it, we have a lot of people in my area that get arrogant about things. And one of the things people were getting, you know, having conversations about is obviously with what's going on with the COVID nineteen virus. Everybody is, you know, sitting here like, "Oh, I miss this and I miss that." And somebody's like, "Well, they need to open." There's a drive-in movie theater that's near where I live. Everybody's like, well, they got to open up the drive-in, so we need the drive-in. And everybody's talking about the logistics about, well, how can we do a drive-in movie theater and still maintain proper social distancing guidelines when you consider things like concession stands and bathrooms and people park next to each other. And there's all this amazing debate that everybody was having about this. And the one thing that somebody basically then threw out into the conversation, which was like the hand grenade that kind of... Some people still kept trying to argue against it. There's always one. Right. But the guy threw it out there and everybody's like, well, that's not important. Well, it actually is, is what movies are you going to show at the drive-thru? All these movies right now, they've already delayed until near the end of the year, if not later, even with some of the guidelines and some of the things starting to reopen right now. Like I saw another thing that somebody posted on Facebook, like, is there going to be the Oscars next year? Yeah, who knows? Might so I kind of want to address something real quick here, going back to what we were talking about with the Mandalorian being maybe the event of the year is that, you know, the state of the movie industry is, what is it at this point? You have AMC right now, theaters that right now say that they're not sure they're going to be able to stay open even after everything reopens back up. What's the attendance the theater is going to be like in a world where people are still worried about yeah. other them being diseased or having this illness. Yeah, I think the 
Hollywood, I think, is going to be hit pretty hard with this, or at least the movie aspect of it. I think just because, you know, I have no desire to go into a crowded movie theater. I think what it might ultimately be, and I think because, you know, Trolls came out, Trolls World Tour, and, you know, Universal or whoever it was released it. Did They didn't even put it in the theaters, did they? Didn't they just do it digitally, I want to say? They broke oh, it. Had a, it had a very limited, I think, theater right. release in a they, few places. The rule is is that once it's the, at least the unspoken rule or the rule they had in place with a lot of these movie chains is that if we release a movie in a the theater, we're not going to release it onto another medium or format until 90 days after it has been discontinued in the theater. And so yeah. for it to come out weeks later after... You know, before the whole you know pandemic issue came down, they had came out in the theater, and then the pandemic shut everything down. They're like, "Well, we're just going to go ahead and go right to digital and get yeah. whatever we can for this." And, and it did very well at that. So I think that's, I mean, there. And I've said for a while too, like there's certain movies you you don't need to go see in the theater. Like you can watch Trolls World Tour just as well on your nice you know TV system that you have at home. You can see the latest rom com there. You can, you know the drama that's not anything super special you can you know you can watch at home and get just as good an experience if not better as the movie theater you know i think you know going forward i almost kind of see movie theaters being more where you go for an event you go somewhere like you know like alamo draft house where you get a better you know a better experience and you go see those movies you need to see on the big screen like your star wars your marvel movies your big action things you know mission impossible or whatever they might be you know those are gonna be the movies you go out and you spend and you make an evening of it you go you know the seats are maybe a little bit better, you get a little bit better service or whatever, you know, but those movies that, you know, your, you know, 3D animated things, your, you know, romantic comedies, like I said, you know, your slapstick comedies or whatever, those are the things you just, you pay 20 bucks, you sit at home with, on your couch, eat your own food and watch and then you're done with it basically. Yeah, it, it's just this weird concept now, like when I sit there, like right now, we're just, I, like another piece of news I saw like from a couple days ago is that like, um, what is it? General hospital soap opera ran out of episodes. They had like banked to like about almost a month and a half, two months worth of episodes. And they stretched it out by having like flashback Friday. So they didn't show new episodes on Fridays and show old classic episodes. Now they're out of episodes as of like a week or so at this point. So you, you look at, I know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what happens. But, I mean, you think about that, there's there's a lot of programs, I mean, that are going to be in that state where, the, not right now necessarily, like there's shows right now, like seasons that are still, you know, wrapping up because they had most of it already filmed at this point, with the exception of like a few here and there, like Walking Dead still has one episode left that they still have to yeah, film for their finale and... You have a few other ones, but think about what's not being filmed right now. So oh, yeah, like we're not we're probably not gonna get a fall season. Right. The fall season right now, it looks like it's gonna be a hot mess. So whoever has anything that shows King of the Mountain at this point. Same thing with movies. I mean, some of these movies now that's that's gonna be the weird thing is this is that obviously with movies, you know, that are already made, like as an example, was at the grocery store and they had all these like bags of Doritos with Wonder Woman on them. And the reason why is because Wonder Woman's supposed to be out right now. Yeah. They had Primo Doritos like for like cross promotional stuff. And I see that I'm like, oh, that's that was probably a great waste of money there, huh? <laughs> uh, DC. But like, you know, theaters start opening up. I mean, that's that's why like right now, what Black Widow's been moved back to November, I think, if I'm right. Yeah, I think most of them are like late fall, early winter. You know, like I think the the first one was the new James Bond movie got pushed back to November. That's I think that's where Black Widow is somewhere in there. The live action Mulan got pushed back to somewhere in that same time era, time frame. 
There's one somewhat big movie that's still supposed to come out, I think, in July or August, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, uh, I, but, but I'd be surprised if that actually ended up happening. Well, that's just the weird thing here is like, all right, so all these movies are pushed back. Let's say that come July, everybody's like, all right, we got this under control. Theaters are open. What are theaters going to show? I mean, at this point, like theaters are all yeah. begging all these studios like, hey, can you uh, please let us shoot me you on know, release your movie so we have something to show and have attendance? And they'll be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, and maybe this is, you know, they pull out like, you know, hey, we're the driving, we're going to do, you know, the star, the original Star Wars trilogy tonight, or we're going to th- show the first three Avengers movies or whatever, you know, maybe that's what they do to get people out is they just start showing some of that stuff that's, you know, will still get people into the big screen and out to the driving or whatever, you know, to go watch something. It, it almost feels like everybody will have to almost adopt the uh, business model of Alamo or like, hey, yeah, we show new movies, but we show all these classics. At this point, you know, you almost feel the music movie industry is going to have to do the exact same thing as just show all these classic movies to fill the gaps and buy time. And once again, will people go watch them? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, because like, I mean, around here, like speaking of Facebook groups, you know, one of our restaurants in the area back before they extended our stay at home thing a few weeks back, they had put up a thing like, you know, hey, if they cancel this, you know, will you know, will anybody come in here and eat in the restaurant? You know, just a simple yes or no. And it was a vast majority of people that were like, nope, it's too early. Like, I don't want to be around people. And I think that's that's a stigma that people are going to have now. They're not going to want to go, you know, you're not going to want to go to a crowded concert or a stadium for baseball games or movie theater or whatever it might be. You know, you're going to be a lot more cautious about that stuff for quite a while, I think. Yeah, it's just a whole new world where there's no blueprint or anything. So... I think that was just one thing I want to talk about. It was just the state of the movie, you know, theaters and just the industry itself, because, you know, we're going to hit that weird entertainment lull in a couple of months. And granted, I'm sure like now that some of the states are loosening some of the stay at home, you know, rules and people are going to flood out in the streets again and get everybody else infected and all the idiots. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's entertainment in general. I mean, movies, I mean, comic books is another one. You know, new comic books haven't been out for like two months now. They're supposedly coming out later this month, but, you know, who knows? We'll see how that goes. And that's, there's been all sorts of chaos and weird things going on there, too. That could almost be a whole other episode. But, you know, I think entertainment in general is just in a very strange, uncharted place right now. Ah, uh, yes. So that covers most of the category topics I had. Anything you want to talk about? Um, no, nothing that comes to mind. We've, we've hit quite a few good points here. I think we're at a, we're at a decent spot where we can probably call it a night. Yeah. Or we could just talk about Cheetos for like an hour. We could talk about Cheetos. I did see a video the other day where somebody mixed flaming hot Cheetos that he had ground up in the coffee grinder and orange Tic Tacs and also ground those up in the coffee grinder, mixed them all together and started on fire. And it looked pretty darn cool. So I might have to try that in my quarantine boredom. Well, of course, with the Cheetos, but yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you've seen me burn Doritos before, right? Oh, yes. Indeed. Same concept. You have all that like oil concentrated inside like the Cheetos and stuff. And and speaking of burning things too, like how Cheetos and Doritos are way more flammable than you'd think, there were that in my Facebook memory showed up the other day, that card from Bang that you tried to burn that just would not burn burn for a damn. I I was going to share it, that that memory, but it was on a, it was on a weekend. I was working. It was like one 30 in the morning. And it's like, all right, I'll make sure to share it later. And I worked like a 13, 14 hour day that day. And I'm like, uh, I I didn't even remember. It takes too much effort to hit the share button. 
yeah here, here's my here's one thing a fun fact if you know people want to know something weird take a dorito set it on fire watch how a how long it burns for and b how intensely it burns for oh yes there's video I've seen videos of people using like Doritos as like kindling to start actual fires. I do that. I use like actually either Doritos or uh, tortilla chips, and you'll be amazed. Like those are the perfect ways to start fires if you don't have any other like newspapers or any other kindling itself. I haven't used a joke like if you wanted to commit arson, Doritos would be like the perfect crime, like to confuse the arson <laughs> investigator. Like the arson investigator looks around the house and like gets out and talking to like the chief of police, and he's like, "So what do you think causes fire?" It's like how. Don't know. I mean, all signs point to the fire starting basically in a kitchen and maybe a plate, but it doesn't make sense from there because like all I could find was a Dorito bag and <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it, it, I, Doritos burned down this whole house. Could that be. Doesn't make sense. Just yeah. Sense. So I, I hope this inspires a bunch of people to get a bunch of Doritos and just light them on fire and then just laugh and cackle. Yes. Burn Doritos and post the videos on our Facebook page, everybody. Yeah, let's do that. Just don't, we are not advocating burning down houses, just burning Doritos. You understand we are not saying that we want to have people burning tortilla chips and effigy and any sort of political statement. It's just a funny thing to do. Yes, exactly. And also, just to head it off as well, we're not advocating burning food when there are starving people out there. <laughs> and Do not burn Cheetos as some kind of strange political statement about certain people. Do not burn Doritos in front of people that are also starving or home and or homeless as well. That's also very cruel. Don't do that either. Yes. All right, let's wrap this up before it gets into a more of a weirder turn than it already has. Oh, yes. We could keep going, but we better stop. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. And uh, yeah, give us a nice rating if you want to. If you don't, don't just go to hell. Yeah, we might. Who knows? Burning Doritos. Yes, burn. All right. Thank you for joining us. Yes, everybody. Have a good one.